All right, we're going to be in um, Acts 28, finishing up that, well, actually finishing up the book. So let's open up in prayer. Uh, Lord, thank you for our time together. Lord, thank you for the worship. Lord, just uh, being able to enter into your presence, Lord, and um, we thank you so much. Uh, Lord, that you would fill this place uh, continually with your presence. Lead us and guide us tonight. I pray, God, that um, the things that are shared would be um, things that um, really uh, we, we need to hear, that um, it's good to hear. And Lord, just knowing it's your word, we know it's um, definitely food for our souls, Lord. So we thank you for that and praise you for our time together. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So um, the last time we ended up in verse 11, that's where we stopped. But I want to um, just kind of share a few things that give us an idea of where we're at, but also kind of give us an idea of some of the stuff that we looked at throughout the book of Acts. It's been amazing. If you, um, if you like adventure stories, if you like um, action, if you like drama, um, you know, reading through the book of Acts and reading through the growth and development of the church it's just amazing to see God's hand in that. And so I, I found, you know, some of these comments that really struck me. Um, one of the major themes of Acts is how the gospel moved from the Jews to the Gentiles, from Jerusalem to Rome. And we're going to end up in Rome tonight. Uh, and we started, really, in Jerusalem, in the upper room with 120 believers uh, waiting for um, the power of the Holy Spirit to fall upon them. And, you know, between those, you know, the ascension of Jesus, there were so many things that have happened up to this point. Um, so think about this. Without the book of Acts, we would turn in the New Testament from the Gospel of John to Romans and ask, how did the Gospel ever get from the Jews in Jerusalem to the Gentiles in Rome? It kind of fills that void of, you know, from John to once we get to Romans, it gives us all the backdrop and everything that happened, the development of the church. Something that we've been pointing out um, about from the whole book from start to finish is that we see that, um, that God is faithful. Where God guides, he also provides. And where God guides, he also protects. And, you know, it's a theme throughout the book. So just to give you an idea of where we're at, in the beginning of chapter 28, they're, uh, on, the way, they're on the way to Rome, and they run, into, uh, they run into a shipwreck. Let me get to the beginning of the chapter. I don't want to spend too much time there. So they've, they actually have been shipwrecked, and now they're on the island of Malta. And just the way that the Lord provides. And you know what? We could, let's just, we'll read through those first 10 verses. Just so we're all on the same page. So Acts 28, um, starting in, in verse 1. It says, now when they had escaped, they escaped the storm. They then found out that the island was called Malta. And the natives showed us unusual kindness. 
for they kindled a fire and made us all welcome because of the rain that was falling and because of the cold. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened on his hand. So Paul's getting wood for the fire. He's putting it in. So it's cold, it's rainy. This viper could have just been kind of dormant from, you know, the cold. Kind of the heat wakes him up and he latches on to Paul, right? So it says that because of the heat, it fastened on his hand. So when the natives saw the, the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer whom though he has escaped the sea, yet justice does, does, uh, does not allow him to live. So they're superstitious. They see the viper latched on to Paul, and they think, well, you know, the sea didn't get him, but the vipers got him. So there's, you know, they think there's just some kind of justice, right? So, but it says in verse 5, but he shook off the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. However, they were expecting that he would swell up and suddenly fall down. So they're still thinking, you know, this guy, is, he's on his way out, right? But, but, after they had looked for a long time and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he, he was a god. So, you know, just, you know, how fickle we are, right? We see something and think it's one thing, and then, you know, when we're wrong, then we, oh, it must be something different, right? It must be, you know, something totally different. And, you know, it's not unusual for Paul to be mistaken as a god or one of the gods, right? In Acts 14, you know, he and um, Barnabas were mistaken for the gods, right? So Paul, you know, he's just, oh, okay, you know, it doesn't give us a comment that he makes, but, you know, if you just kind of let your imagination kind of go with it, maybe he just, you know, maybe he looked at the guys and kind of faked it, right? Like he's starting to fall over and then, you know, he starts joking with them. But, you know, who knows, right? But, you know, for Paul, this is, you know, God's faithfulness. God's faithfulness. And this is going to open up the whole rest of the chapter for Paul and for the rest of the, you know, the folks on that island. You know, God provides, God protects. And, you know, as we're going through the rest of this chapter, don't, um, don't get caught up in thinking, well, this is Paul. You know, he was the apostle of the apostles. No, you know, this is, um, you know, before he became the author of most of the, you know, the New Testament, he was, he was a guy who had faith in God, that God had called to the ministry. You know, God wanted to use his life and he made himself available. And when we do that, God does some awesome things. God protects us. God guides us. He's faithful. So, I mean, these, this is exciting stuff. So, it, it gets better. So, in that region, in verse 7, there was an estate of the leading citizen of the island whose name was Publius who received us and entertained us courteously for three days. Now, it doesn't say that he, I'm not sure if it's all 276 of the folks that were on the ship, or if it was maybe Paul and Luke and a few other people, I'm not sure. But, you know, the guy was just extending that courtesy to them. And it says in verse 8, it happened that the father of Publius laid sick 
of a fever and dysentery. And that was kind of common back then because of the goat milk, it, you know, the way it was pasteurized and things like that. So this wasn't an uncommon thing. But what does Paul do? Paul goes into him and prayed, and he laid his hands on him uh, and healed him. So he prays for him, and the Lord heals him. And then it just, it just gets better. So when this was done, the rest of those on the island who had diseases also came and were healed. It's like this, this revival of healing on the island. All because Paul's getting some wood for the fire. This viper latches onto his hand. You know, God protects him. The village, the, you know, the natives, the villagers, they're excited about, I mean, look, this guy must be a god. He must be special. And after he prays for these folks and all of these people on the island are getting healed, you've got to wonder what's going through everybody's mind. And you know that Paul is giving all the glory to the Lord. I mean, it's, he's, just, he's just giving all the glory to the Lord. So in verse 10 it says, So they also honored us in many ways, and when we departed, they provided such things as were necessary. So now they're getting ready to, to leave the island. They're going to finish this final leg uh, to go to Rome. And it's, it's interesting, you know, God, where God calls, where God guides, he also provides. You know, the, the, this isn't like um, one of those luxury liners where you, you know, you, when you go on board, you can pick the meal plan you want or, you know, everything's free on the boat. Um, you know, when you traveled in those days, you brought your own food. You brought the provisions you needed, right? So they've been on the island for three months. Um, Paul has built this relationship with them, and um, you can only probably fit so much on a page. But, you know, just to kind of think about it for a while, 276 people on that ship all lived. They all knew that God saved them because before they crashed onto the island, Paul told them that God had appeared to him that night and, and just laid out the whole plan for what was going to happen. And it's amazing that they, and who, uh, it doesn't say that they all, um, you know, that they all came to the Lord, but I'll tell you what, we're going to see that, you know, this storm gave them the opportunity to hear about the Lord, to see the power of God in action, and then to have the, the opportunity to respond so um, the storm, you know, why, why the storm? <laughs> you know, they went through an awful lot to get to Rome. But once again, I think a lot of that was building Paul's faith. Back in Acts 23, 11, when Paul was thrown into um, a holding cell, if you will, uh, when he thought that um, the ministry was just about done, the Lord speaks to him that night and tells him, you know, Paul, you know, you were faithful here in Jerusalem. Next stop is Rome. So Paul, you know, all along the way, God is, is encouraging Paul that he's still with him, that he's still using him, that, you know, it isn't over with yet. And um, just here's some things that I marked down that were accomplished from the storm. Okay. 276 people, God had their undivided attention. They all knew 
that God had got them through the storm. They were, they were helpless, hopeless. There was no hope for them. They were throwing everything off, off the ship. They hadn't seen the sun in 14 days. I mean, it was like, it was, they, they literally thought they were done. They had given up hope, it says. But God, but God. And, you know, we go through storms, right? Storms of life. This, I mean, this is just so appropriate for us when we go through a storm. These guys had no hope. The ship was falling apart. They had cables that were trying to hold the ship together. You know, they were doing everything that they could. If it weren't for God, they would have been gone. And how true is that for us, right? We face these trials. We go through these storms. But you know what? If, but God. But God. We need to keep, you know, our eyes on him. And I know that um, I know it's, it's easier said than done. It's easy to, to say, hey, you know what? You're going through a storm. Stay the course. Um, but you know what? It's, it's not that easy. But it doesn't make this not true either. Right? Difficulty. We know it's difficult, but God is, God is real. God is real. And he loves us. And he is not, he's not giving up on us. He's not kicking us to the curb. And you see it through the whole book of Acts. Um, the storm did eventually uh, get Paul and these folks back on track. And it did bring them to that certain island that Paul told the crew before the ship actually fell apart and they were on Malta. He told them that they had to come to this certain island. And another, another part of God's plan just being fulfilled. You know, so sometimes the storm, we think it's taking us off course. But you know what? God is the one that's, he's directing things. You know, and it, it seems like you're headed off course, but you're not. But you're not. And, you know, I could, um, you know, I could probably bore you with things that God had did, has done, and is doing in my life since I got saved. And, you know, there are times that I just thought, wow, I have no, I have no idea what's going on. But a little further down the road, you know, God, God was using something and, and directing me in, in a certain way. So um, God is faithful. God is faithful. And I hope you guys know that. I hope you guys know it right to your very core of who you are, that God is faithful. So here we are, verse 11. So it says, after three months, so they're on Malta for three months. The weather is starting to be more conducive to travel on the Mediterranean. So um, they're headed to Rome. So, you know, Luke says we, so I know for sure um, Aristoc, I can't, I'm not going to be able to pronounce his name right, but Aristocar, Aristocus, Luke, and probably um, uh, some other folks on the, that were on the island that got saved, maybe some of the sailors, um, all of the 276 men or, and women that were on that ship are all headed to, to Rome. And it says they sailed in an Alexandrian ship whose figurehead was the twin brothers which had wintered at the island. So the, the twin brothers are Castor and Pollock. 
Um, they're the twin sons of Zeus, and they were, you know, Greek mythology for protection for semen. So, you know, these, Luke adds that into the text. Um, just interesting to, um, you know, I guess it's just for a little extra information. Um, I, they're, you know, they were very superstitious and were into a lot of, um, um, not, wouldn't, wouldn't be astrology as much as, um, what is that, uh, what is the, the sun, the moon, is it astrology, astrology, yes, so I don't, I can't think of any other reason why I'd have it on there, but these guys are on their way, um, are on their way to Rome, so in verse 12 through 14, it says, in landing in Syracuse, we stayed three days, from there, we circled around and reached Regium. And after one day, the south wind blew. And the next day, we came to Petruli, where we found brethren and were invited to stay with them seven days. And so we went toward Rome. So they leave Malta, and it's about 60 miles to Syracuse, which is the capital of Sicily. And that's located on, on, it's kind of interesting, it's located at the bottom part of Sicily on the east side. So the ship stopped there for three days and then another 70 miles to Regium. So they're kind of going now to the west. And that was on the southwest corner of Italy, right? If you know the shape of Italy, you always hear about the toe. So it's right on the big toe of Italy, right? So after one day, a favorable south wind blew, enabling them to sail another 180 miles northward along the west coast to Petruli and on the northern shore of the Bay of Naples. So that's about 150 miles from Rome. So they're making their way to Rome. And it's interesting that when they get to Petruli, it says they found um, where we found brethren. And this kind of got me thinking. And how did they get there? How did Christians get to Rome? It's an interesting thought, right? Well, back in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, when you read through the whole name of all of the people that were there for Pentecost, all of the different um, countries and cities, you know, Rome is mentioned on the day of Pentecost. And we know that after Pentecost, shortly after that, when Stephen was martyred, that there was a persecution and that everybody got dispersed. Now, there could have been folks there on Pentecost from Rome, like it says, and they just went back to Rome with their faith. And what intrigues me about this, okay, and I'm going to probably mention it again, is that Paul is here now in Petruli. Pentecost was in A.D. 30. This is A.D. 60, A.D. 61. This is 30 years later. And Paul is, is bumping into folks that could have potentially got saved at Pentecost 30 years soon, earlier. You know, Paul 
and I'm, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, so I'm going to jump ahead just for a second and read. Oh, yeah, this is... I hope you guys are excited about this as I am. So this is God's faithfulness. You know, we talk about, we talk, I'm, you know, just highlighting his faithfulness. Here's Paul. He's, he's there with these brothers now that have been there. It's, it's 30, it, well, Paul was saved in 35, so this is like 25 years after he saved. Listen to what Jesus told him on the road to Damascus. Okay, this is, this is how Luke recorded it when Paul was uh, before Agrippa. But listen to what, this is what Paul told Agrippa that Jesus told him. So this is Jesus talking to Paul in Acts 26, 16 through 18. So Jesus tells Paul, but rise and stand on your feet, for I have prepared I have prepared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness, both of the things which you have seen and of the things which I have yet revealed to you. And then verse 17, he says, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as the Gentiles to whom I now send you to. So he delivers them from the Jews and the Gentiles. And now he says, and now that I did that, now I'm sending you to them, right? And so what's the reason for that? To open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. How awesome is God that he calls Paul to that ministry it gives them the purpose for it, and now 30 years later, here he is in Rome, and he's meeting these believers, he's meeting the fruit of that. I mean, we have no idea. When, when you get discouraged about things that are going on, or maybe you're in a trial, maybe um, you, know, you just can't explain something that's going on, you wonder what God is up to, man, you just got to... St- you got to trust him. You got to trust him. Paul, every step of the way on his way here now to Rome, has been one thing after another. You know what it reminded me of? You know, it's maybe when you guys were little, you were like this. You go on a road trip, right, with your parents, you know, the family, you know, and you say, Are we there yet? Right? And what do they, they say? No, not yet. You know, one more stop. You know, we're almost there. And, you know, I could picture Paul saying, Lord, are we there yet? And the Lord saying, no, almost, we're almost there. And, and, you know, isn't that like a picture of what's going on with us? Lord, Lord, am I there yet? No, almost, we're almost there. We're almost there. A little more work, a little more fine-tuning. And you see that throughout the book of Acts and even with this. I mean, when Paul saw these guys, these believers, you know, you gotta, you just gotta wonder what happened. You know, what like how that affected him. You know, that he just, you know, that night that he just, just fall before the Lord and just thanked Him, Lord. You know, this, this has just been such a journey. You know, such an adventure. You know, to get here to Rome and to see the fruit of the ministry. Had our, had, I mean, the fruit is greeting him. 
as he gets to these cities. So I, you know, maybe I just thought it was, you know, it kind of boosted my faith when you when just thinking about it. So, you know, and so I, let's read um, verses fifteen and sixteen. And you know, there was there was one other thing. I was I, I got the words for this song. I was going to sing it to you guys, but then I opted out. It was like the Lord said, "No, you better not do that." My wife tells me I have the gift of evacuation when I sing. But it's the song is not for a moment, and it talks about that not for a moment, not one moment did God forsake me. And you know what? You know that Paul could have wrote that song, and so could we. Because I'm telling you, that's the truth. Not for one single moment, even though it had seemed that way, has God ever forsaken us or even thought of forsaking us. And, you know, we we are so blessed to have the complete word of God because you can read from Genesis to Revelation and you see the faithfulness of God throughout. And just looking at Paul's life here, you know, Paul has no idea what's going to happen but God along the way has put Lysias in his way, one of the centurions who, who kind of took him under his wing and pulled him out of the mob a couple times. Now here he's on, on this ship, it's Julius. And I got to believe by now, Julius was with them when they left Caesarea before they went, got shipwrecked. Before they, when things started to go downhill, um, in the beginning, they disregarded Paul's advice, but by the time things really turned around, they were listening to Paul. You know, it's almost like the authority on the ship went from the captain and, and Julius to Paul and the Lord, or to the Lord and Paul. You know, God's faithfulness, he's, he was there every step of the way, every step of the way with Paul. And, and you know, and just his grace for the first God answering Paul's prayer, every, guy, every person on that ship was spared. You know, don't underestimate the power of prayer when we pray for our families, our friends, ministry. You know, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. So not for a moment was he forsaken. Not for a moment are we forsaken. So verses 15 and 16, it says, From there, leaving Petruli, when the brethren heard about us, they came to meet us as far as Appii, the Appii Forum, and three inns. And when Paul saw them, he thanked God and took courage. You know, just highlighting what we've been talking about. He sees these, these believers on his way to Rome, and it says that he thanked God and he took courage. Man, I would take courage. You know, here you're seeing this fruit from the ministry. You're, God's, the, everything that God told Paul that he was going to accomplish, he's seen it, walking around and talking with him. So, of course, you know, he, he took courage. So then finally in verse 16, it says, And when we came to Rome, the centurion delivered the prisoners to the captain of the guard, but Paul was permitted to dwell by himself with a soldier who guarded him. 
once again, the grace of God, where God, provide, where God guides, God provides. Why didn't Paul, why wasn't he lumped with the rest of the prisoners? Why wasn't he put with the rest of the, you know, the rest of the prisoners? Julius is the centurion who's in charge. He's the one who's delivering all the prisoners. Julius just spent all that time through when they left Caesarea till they were shipwrecked on Malta, saw everything that happened in Malta, and now he, they get to Rome, and he's taking care of Paul. And that's the grace of God, again, with God just giving him favor. And I really believe that Julius is born again. I mean, how can you go through everything that he went through and not be? The things that he saw, the things that he witnessed. You know, and even put aside the healing, the viper, if 276 sailors and whoever else was on the ship, Julius had a seed for those guys who got saved. He must have seen their lives change in the three months that they were on the island. Um, I, I, was in the, I was in the Army. I wasn't in the Navy. But I know sailors can be pretty, pretty rude, pretty gruff. You know, and here is Julius seeing these men totally transformed, you know, being a part of the community while they're there doing things, you know, helping out the, you know, the, the people that live there. Who knows? But there's a lot, of, a lot of awesome things are happening, and it's all the grace of God. So Julius has some authority. He has some, I guess he, he has the, the leeway to do what he did, and he puts Paul in his own, his, like his, I'm assuming that this is what ended up being his residence while he was there for the two years he was in Rome. So, but it's all, I really believe it. God just used Julius to bless Paul. You know, when I, um, this is kind of why this stuck out with me. When I I've just got out of rehab and was looking for a job, and uh, I, I really had no skills. I mean, literally, I had no skills at all. Um, I got a job working for the county, and they put me working with this guy, Charlie, this old Italian guy. And it was in, you know, we were maintaining these buildings. So I, had, you know, it was like a lot of plumbing and things like that, electrical stuff. So, and, and this guy, Charlie, he didn't know it. He knew it after, but the Lord put him in my life. Because I could do, I, I couldn't do a thing. I was like useless. They, I, was, I was a useless employee. He would tell me, Hey, Dave, there's a, a water line that's broke down in this building. Go fix it. I said, Charlie, I, I don't know how to do that. He said, all right, kid, come on, come with me. So he showed me. Then he told me, hey, get the loader and go move this stuff. You know, I said, Charlie, I don't even know how to start the loader. He says, come on, kids. And I'll tell you what, for two years I worked for him. The, the guy just took me under his wing. And if that was the Lord. And I used to tell him all the time, all, you know, but, you know, I don't know if it ever sunk in, but, you know, God, God has a way of putting people in our lives for such a time as that. You know, he, he taught me things that would have taken, you know, he sent me to schools. I mean, 
it was such a blessing. But, you know, God had him there for me. And when I was, you know, you read this and you think Julius was this guy for Paul. But think of Paul was that guy to Timothy. Paul was that guy to Titus. You know, and it's just interesting how our lives unfold. God uses us for such a time as this in people's lives. And God uses other people for that same purpose. And, you know, you see it lived out right here. Um, it's just so beautiful to see how through a lot of craziness, um, and, you know, you guys, if you've read through the book of Acts at least once, you know the things that Paul has gone through, beatings, stonings, you know, beaten with rods. I mean, I mean, this guy was, had been through a lot. But yet he, he never let go, you know. He just trusted the Lord. He knew that God had called him. He wasn't quite sure of what was going to unfold, but he knew that God was faithful. And, you know, that's so real for us, guys. You know, God's called us. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. But you know what? He's going to be there. He's going to be a part of it. So that should give us that, that, you know, in the morning when we get up, you know, if you're like me, the first few seconds are rough. You know, it's like, oh, do I really have to get up? You know, can I, you know but once you're, once you're up and you're kind of conscious about, you know, okay, it's another day, and you know that, you know, the, he's there. He's there. And you just see it so much through this. It's just amazing to see Paul um, and, and just the things that the Lord's doing. So it gets even better, okay? Verse 17. Let's read verse 17 and 18. It says, And it came to pass after three days that Paul called the leaders of the Jews together. So these are prominent Jewish guys that are, um, you know, probably um, rulers of the synagogue. You know, these you know, important guys in that realm. It says, so when they had come together, he said to them, men and brethren, though I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our fathers, yet I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans, who, when they had examined me, wanted to let me go because there was no cause for putting me to death. So like I said, these... Um, these guys are, are prominent leaders in the Jewish community. And, you know, it's always been Paul's, um, just his custom to go to the Jew first. He gets to Rome and he has no idea what these, what these men think about him or, you know, what, do they know that he was arrested? Do they know anything about what has gone on in his life? So he calls them together, and he wants to give them an explanation as to what happened. So in verse 19, it says, But when the Jews spoke against it, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse or accuse my nation. In verse 20, for this reason, therefore, I have called for you to, to see you and speak to you because for, for the hope of Israel, I am bound with this chain. So Paul is just 
wants to get them together and give an explanation of why he got arrested, wants the opportunity to, to give his side of the story. And, you know, he's telling them that, you know, basically that he had to, um, he had to appeal to Caesar because if you guys remember, I'm pretty sure I think it was Festus who wanted Paul. Paul was in Caesarea. They were the Jews came down to Caesarea from Jerusalem. They had a you know not really a trial, but Paul spoke. They spoke. You know, kind of exchanged. They accused him of certain things. Paul, um, you know, spoke up for himself. And then Festus asked Paul if he would be willing to go down or up to Jerusalem to settle the issue there. But up to this point, they had already tried. They were going to kill Paul on the way to Caesarea when Paul was going to go from Jerusalem to Caesarea. So... Paul was, wasn't going to take any chances. If you remember, Paul's nephew heard what was going on, that they planned this ambush. He had his nephew tell the centurion. So they ended up with, uh, I think it was close to 400 troops to get Paul from Jerusalem to Caesarea safely. Now Festus is saying, hey, oh, by the way, would you be willing to go back up to Jerusalem to be on trial there? And Paul said, no way. Um, you know, I'm a Roman citizen. I appeal to Caesar. So that's what Paul is saying. I didn't do anything wrong. And the reason why I'm in these chains is because I had to appeal to Caesar. Because if I didn't appeal to Caesar and they'd made me go back up to Jerusalem, I might not be here. So, you know, that's kind of reading between the lines. But, and that's in Acts 20, 26, 32, when Paul appeals to Caesar. So in verse 19, it says, but when the Jews spoke up against it, you know, he's, we just read that, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, not that I had anything of which to accuse my, you know, to accuse my nation. So Paul is just telling them that, look, I, I did it because I had no choice. So in verse 21, then they said to him, we neither receive letters from Judea concerning you, nor have any of the brethren who came reported or spoken any evil of you. But we desire to hear from you what you think. For concerning this sect, so they're calling Christianity in Rome a sect. Um, for concerning this sect, we know that it is spoken against everywhere. So... Apparently, the ship that they were on that sunk probably had the letters that they were referring to. You know, the, uh, Festus had to write a letter to Caesar why Paul was going there. there. There was documentation of all of this, but it never made it, obviously never made it to Rome because the ship sunk on the way to Rome. So... They, that's why these guys are saying, we haven't heard anything. You know, we, we have no idea. You know, nobody has spoken evil of him personally. But there has been um, some 
not so good, you know, not so much good said about Christianity or this sect, as they called it. So in verses 23 and 24, it says, So when they had appointed him a day, many came to him at his lodging, to whom he explained solemnly, testified of the kingdom of God, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets, from morning till evening. And some were persuaded by the things which were spoken, and some disbelieved. So they wanted to hear from Paul. They set another time to get together. So they come to where Paul is, is lodging. And, you know, of course, Paul is going to do what he's always done. He's going to share the gospel with them. Right? It says that he solemnly testified of the kingdom of God, persuading, persuading them concerning Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets from morning till evening. So it was a long service. But Paul just laid it all out for them. Some believed and some didn't believe. And, you know, that's the way it is, right? It's still true today. Some people hear the gospel and believe. Some hear the gospel and refuse, right? They, um, they reject it. They reject it. And, you know, Paul, I, I really don't believe Paul's discouraged about this because um, this isn't the first time that he shared with the Jews about Jesus being the Messiah and they um, didn't respond in such a loving way, right? There were times, like I said, Paul was stoned. And, and Lystra, they, they dragged him out, stoned him and dragged him out of the city. Um, so it was no surprise that some of these folks were going to disagree uh, with him. I don't think it, um, I don't think it, um, I don't think it surprised Paul. Uh, you know, for him, I think it was like, okay, well, you know, this is, this is just the way it is. And it's just, the, it is the way it is, right? You know, we share the Lord, we share the gospel with people. Some people believe it. Some people reject it. Some people say, hey, you know, let, let me think about it, whatever. You know, so I don't think Paul was, um, I mean, I'm sure he was overly concerned for those that rejected it because, you know, rejecting the gospel, there's, you know, the fate for those that die without Christ is, um, you know, just dropping right into hell. And I'm sure that that would certainly be a concern of Paul's. But, you know, his responsibility was just to share the word, to get it out there and love these guys. So in verse 25, and this is Paul, right? Verse, let's read verses 25 through 27. It says, So when they did not agree among themselves, they departed after Paul had said one word. So Paul is going to get the last word, right? And so before they departed, after Paul said this one word, the Holy, the Holy Spirit spoke rightly through Isaiah the prophet to our fathers. And he quotes Isaiah 6, verses 9 and 10, saying, Go to this people and say, Hearing you will hear and shall not understand, and seeing you will see and not perceive. For the hearts of this people have grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing, and their eyes have, they have closed. At least they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, 
lest they should understand with their hearts and turn so that I should heal them. So it's interesting. Paul quotes Isaiah to these men. Jesus used the same passage um, when he shared uh, the parables of the kingdom in Mark 13 and Luke 8. The Apostle John in his gospel applied this text in John 12. And Paul quoted them um, in his Roman in Romans, the epistle of Romans in chapter 11. So, you know, it's one thing to listen, but it's entirely something else to hear. And there's a great difference between seeing and perceiving. You know, we can, we can listen, but are we really, are we hearing what's being said? Are we understanding what's being said? And this I really just kind of took in a, for the application for me was, you know, am I paying attention to what God is doing and what God is, is saying to me as an individual and as a pastor? You know, what, what is God saying? Am I listening? Am I hearing? Am I perceiving what God's saying? Am I seeing what he's saying? Am I comprehending that? Am I, you know, am I walking out on that? Am I being obedient to that? You know, and it's interesting, their unbelief doesn't put an end to Paul's ministry. All right, the, Paul, I mean, at this point in his ministry, I, you know, I just think he was accustomed to this. And I'm, I'm sure you guys could relate to that, people um, rejecting the gospel. But look what he says in verse 28. He says, therefore, let it be known to you that the salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles, and they will hear it. He seemed pretty emphatic about that. And when he had said these words, the Jews departed and had a great dispute among themselves. So they left Paul arguing amongst themselves about what Paul said. So we can't read too much into that. Um, you know, and it's, it's too bad that um, I'm sure in Paul's heart, he, he wished they would have all accepted right, what he said, that they all would have accepted Christ. I mean, that's what he told Agrippa, right, that he, you know, that he, outside of the chains that he was chained with, he wanted them all, everybody in that auditorium when he was speaking, to get saved. That was Paul's heart. So in verses 30 and 31, it says, Then Paul dwelt two years, a whole two years, in his own rented house, and received all who came to him, preaching the kingdom of God and teaching the things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. So once again, you know, Paul has his own quarters. It's all the grace of God. It's all God's grace just setting Paul up. What? For ministry, to keep the ministry going. Paul, God wasn't, wasn't finished with Paul. There is a lot left for Paul to do. And, you know, Paul just... Um, just went about the ministry of the word, right? He just, whatever the Lord had put in his heart to do, that's what he was doing. He had an open house. People could come and see him. I mean, he was guarded. I mean, could you imagine? I've heard a lot of guys talk about that. It just, it is kind of fascinating what these guards must have witnessed as they guarded Paul, as people were coming in and out of, you know, his house. You know, I'm sure that, they had to be in the same room with Paul to keep an eye on him. 
So, I mean, here he is. He's hearing these guys talk about these these realities of, you know, the word of God, you know, different, just, I mean, you you can just, your mind can just keep going. You know, Paul, who's he talking to? You know, is he talking to Timothy about something or is, you know, is he talking to Luke about what's going on or what the Lord is speaking to his heart about? It's just amazing to just let your mind run wild with that. So for two years, he's in Rome under guard, but has, you know, has a house. And Paul writes Philippians, Ephesians, Colossians, and Philemon while he's in prison. Talk about, you know, just what's Paul up to? You know, to write, you know, like, what is it, four more books of the New Testament, right? I mean, is he, is he just kind of hanging out? No, he's seeking the Lord, and God is just, God is just giving him the word. He's just filling his heart with the word, and he's just writing it all down, just putting it all down on paper. It's just amazing, the privilege. So, and this is, you know, towards the end of Paul's life, um, during these two years, um, he had Timothy with him. as well as John Mark. Remember John Mark? He got the boot from Paul, right? Now he's with John Mark, you know, at, towards the end of his life, his ministry. Luke's with him. Aristarchus is with him. Epaparus, Justice, Demas. But he's, Demas is going to kind of fall away, but at this point, um, at this point in Paul's life, he's still there. Um, he also met... Um, Onesimus, the runaway slave. I mean, there's, you know, for a guy that's in house arrest, there's an awful lot of ministry going on in Paul's life still. God is using him. And, you know, I know there's some folks here that go into the, into the, into the, into the, um, the county jail, um, you know, bringing the word. Um, you know, it doesn't make any difference. The word of God can, cannot be contained. You know, it can't be stifled. Because um, wherever people go to faithfully preach it, God is going to use it. God is going to use it. You know, so Paul, his, his ministry for these two years is so rich, so rich. And we'll, we'll close just with, just with the end of his life. Paul, there's um, some very um, credible information that said that Paul was released from prison probably traveled to Spain. There's a reference to that in Romans 15. Um, you know, during this period, roughly between 63 AD and 67 or 66 AD, uh, Paul would, um, would write letters to Timothy, uh, Titus. Um, he left Titus in Crete. Trimophius was sick in Miletus. And Timothy he left in Ephesus. And he planned to, um, to meet up with some of the other helpers and workers in the ministry. You know, we see that in Titus chapter 3. But Paul was arrested again, probably close to 67 AD, where he wrote 2 Timothy. And uh, this time it's not in a rented house with, uh, you know, guests coming in and out, um, you know, Things had drastically changed. Um, he was enchained in a prison uh, and treated like a criminal. 
for his faith. Um, he writes to Timothy, asking him to, uh, to bring his cloak and the parchments. Um, and it's roughly um, between 67 68 AD that uh, Paul was executed in Rome. And uh, that's where Luke stops, obviously, prior to this. But, you know, what a, what a pillar of an example of a believer. You know, Paul, right to the very end of his life, just being a witness and being a voice for the Lord. And, you know, one thing that I hope we all could take away from the book of Acts and you know, in particular, Paul's life, you know, because we're, we're talking about it at the close of the, of the book. You know, Paul said that, Paul said, I am what I am because of the grace of God. You know, Paul never, you know, Paul never thought of himself as, you know, like he arrived. Paul was just so humble. Just love the Lord. And I mean, Paul's only desire was to see God's will accomplished. And I don't know how that translates into your lives, but you know what? That should be our greatest desire. You know, Lord, whatever your will is for me, I want to I be faithful. I want to I trust you. I want to keep taking those steps forward. I you know, Lord, I just want to be faithful to what you've called me to do. And you know what? That's different for all of us in a sense that it might be in a different, um, you know, different way of life. It might be in a, a different part of, um, like, you, maybe your ministry is at work. Maybe somebody else's might be in the, in the county jail. Um, you know, it, it, it varies because we're, we're all different and God wants to plug us in where he wants us. But it's just finding out what that is and then being faithful to it. You know, if it's, and, and, you know, it would be great if the Lord led us to do some of the awesome things Paul did, but you know what? That might not happen. You know, he might ask you to lay your life down in your family or where you work and just to be a light, just to be a witness Maybe on the bus, who knows? You know, maybe at Wegmans. You know, just being open to what God's doing. And, you know, if God has been real specific with something in your life and you don't understand it, well, you know what? Paul didn't understand everything that was going on, but he knew that God had called him. And, you know, God told him, Paul, you're going to Rome okay, Lord, you know, what flight am I taking? You know, is there some ocean liner going there? No, he, he gets on a boat and he's supposed, he knows God wants to get him there, but the boat crashes and sinks. Now he's on this little island. But that's okay, God. You said I was going to go to Rome, but while I'm here, um, Publius's dad is sick, <laughs> so I'm going to pray for him. Now he's just living his life knowing that God is, wants him to get someplace. And um, there's these things that are happening on the way. But he's making the best of the time on the way to where God's taking him. And that's really what we do, right? 
we just want to uh, agree with God. We want to, he's taken us someplace. He's got something for us to do. And just want to enjoy the, just enjoy the process, enjoy what he's doing, even when it gets difficult. And like I said, it's easy for me to say that because difficulty really is difficulty. No matter how you try to parse it, it's still difficult. But you got to remember, even though that's true, God is still faithful. And God has his, God has his hand on us. And he's not going to let, he's, he's not going to, you know, when it's, when you're, when you're looking Jesus eye to eye, you know that he's, he's done in your home, right? And that's what we long for, right? But until that happens, we want to be faithful to what he's called us to do here. You don't want to exit too soon. <laughs> All right, let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you so much for your word and for men like Paul and Timothy and Titus and these these folks, you know, that some of these people that we, you know, we don't even know their name, but we, you know, these first century saints that um, just um, heard the call and just were faithful to see it through. And Lord, we... Um, we don't walk everywhere we go. We have cars, and things are a lot different for us. But the, the mission is still the same, Lord, and you've still called us to be ambassadors for you in a, in a world that's really totally depraved and, and getting worse. And, Lord, we're with the church, us. We're the only hope they have. You're the only hope that they have. The message that we have, uh, Lord, for, the, for those that are lost and God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, that we would get to the place where we would be able to articulate that message in a loving way, that, Lord, that we would be um, faithful uh, to deliver that message, be faithful to be those lights for you. And, God, we know that, um, that you, you're going to just go before us. You're going to touch hearts. We just need to be faithful to, to share the word, to share the gospel. So we thank you for that privilege, Lord, to be ambassadors for you. And Lord, um, I pray that you'd stretch us, stretch our faith a, a little bit more, uh, Lord, and um, just give us um, those opportunities, Lord, to be a light for you. I pray, God, for uh, traveling mercies for us as we leave here tonight, that you'd get us home safe. And I pray, God, that um, we would just take some time to kind of like just chronicle through the book of Acts and... You know, just get another glimpse at your faithfulness, Lord, just how where you lead, where you guide, you provide, you protect us. You're just so awesome, God. We thank you. We love you for all that you're doing in our lives and all that you're going to do. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Have a good night.